Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Flyme and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. We sure are. Do you have a good true crime story? I have a pretty solid true crime story. I'm pretty excited. I am too. I've been sitting on this one for a while. We have some other stuff to cover first, though. We do. Aaron. Yes. I have exciting news. You do? Wait, are you pregnant? I better not be. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't know. That's, people are like, I have exciting news. No, 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 no. That would be me sitting you down being like, so here's the deal. I'm pregnant. I need you to start a cult. <laughs> because a miracle has occurred. In that my body, which comes with no ovaries, and which has not been touched in a real long time, has <laughs> spontaneously generated a baby. <laughs> we'll have to think of a good name for your cult. Oh, yeah, we should think about that. I just, I hope it never has to come to fruition for that. Well, okay, we can, we can find another reason to worship you. Aww. <laughs> if we think real hard. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some effort. What's your good news? My good news is that Crime Crazy is supported by mm-hmm. Dave Hat, Yay! Seb Bryce. Woohoo! And Courtney Ellis. <gasps> wow! Thank you! Thank you, Courtney. Aww. <laughs> Show sponsors support Crime Crazy through Patreon at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I also want to do a special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and our supporters on Buy Me a Coffee. Yes, which we finally figured out how to check. Which we figured out how to check. So thank you to Patty and LA and Courtney. Yeah. Every single one of whom, by the way, attached a note to it that said something to the effect of, please go buy Diana a donut. Guys, <laughs> there were donuts at Diana's house today. I did not eat any of them, though. Oh, my God. Okay, look, we cannot help you with that, Diana. We've done all we can. No, I know. It was a good effort. I just can't eat that much sugar in the morning. Oh, well, I mean, you could have one now. I did. Oh, good. (laughs) Yes. Um, So a special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and the folks who bought us a coffee slash donut. I don't have any review shout outs this week, but I do want to remind you all to check out our snazzy website at crimecrazy.com. You can follow us on all the social medias at crimecrazypod. Uh, please don't hit on me through Instagram. I'd appreciate that if that stopped. Yikes. I mean, you are an adorable cartoon character. Very pouty. <laughs> Gross. i don't know if that's their thing who are you to say it's wrong awesome well okay so then other than messages hitting on diana you can still reach out to us on all the social media and our beautiful website and our awesome email addresses diana at crime crazy and aaron at crime crazy yay which i sometimes remember to check I also sometimes remember to check. <laughs> so, Aaron. Yeah. Did you learn anything this week? Oh, my God, I did. <gasps> Tell me. 
All right. So I'm so torn because I've been learning so much about so many animals. But today I'm going to tell you about bees. Bees? Bees. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So honeybees specifically. Okay. Mm. And um, they do this thing. And I don't know if you're familiar with this thing, but it has the cutest name in the world. They do what is called a waggle dance. I've heard of it. It sounds adorable. It is super adorable. It's even cuter to watch one of them do it. And then like whoever's taking the video will do like a diagram overlay of the dance (laughs) to to, like trot all the parts. So a waggle dance is not just like what they do in the evenings when they've had a good day finding, you know, nectar and pollen and all that good (laughs) stuff. Right. Um, it serves a purpose, which is to give directions to the other bees. Because I don't know if you know this, but bees can't talk. I'm sorry. They, I've watched some Disney movies. And I, know. I think I have to disagree with you there. <laughs> I know. But real, real bees don't talk. Oh. They dance instead. It's kind of like bee charades. I was going to say interpretive dance because, you know, I like to I like to bring up a good interpretive dance. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's very much like that. So the waggle dance has a couple different kinds of moves. It has like this butt shaking move, which I suppose is the waggle. And it has spins in figure eights and um, it has different angles that the bee positions themselves at relative to the other bees or wherever he started. And basically all of these things together are understood by the other bees to convey direction and distance. Okay. Wow. And then you can go and find the ideal location for your new hive or, um, you know, where the best flowers are with all the best nectar or whatever. Okay. So then the question naturally arises, how does a bee measure distance? Right. And it turns out it is even more complicated than them not having tiny tape measures. They also don't have depth perception. So a bee can't, strictly speaking, measure distance because they don't have, they can't see it. So like, if you can't see it, can you perceive it? You can. You can perceive it in other ways. So there are two different kinds of distance we could talk about. We can talk about um, like measurement within their hives because if you ever look at a beehive all of the cells of the beehive are exactly the same size and shape well there are a couple of different sizes depending on purpose but they're all exactly the size and shape they're supposed to be would you say they're like a honeycomb very much like a honeycomb yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that is done by basically holding hands across the the diameter of the shape so that they can measure how wide it ought to be. But That sounds so cute. Right. <laughs> they have special little hooks on their arms that both like capture the pollen when they're drinking ne- nectar and then help them to pollinate the other flowers, but also are used to hook together to hold hands when they're measuring for their hive. Oh, right. But we're going to talk about distance as in like traveling distance cuz that's mm-hmm. what the waggle dance has to do with. So, because their eyes do not are not positioned to measure depth per, or to have depth perception. They can't mm-hmm. say, well, it's about, you know, 18 hive lengths or 460 million bee lengths or whatever. Yeah. So um, instead, 
um, they measure by something called optical flow. So optical flow is the amount of stuff they see along the way. So for example, if you are flying through a field and there are a couple of trees dotting the field, then you could fly a really long way and see three trees. And that is a small amount of optical flow. So a small amount of wiggles or waggles. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you were flying through the woods, you would see a ton of trees. So that's a very large amount of optical flow. And so then you would waggle a whole lot, which could either convey that you had flown through many, 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 many fields or through a small amount of forest. So it's really important that the bees all go in the same direction to begin with and that the Mm -hmm. surroundings don't change too much between the one bee telling the other bee where to go and the other bee leaving. So the way that they determined this was super fascinating. Um, they must have suspected it was the case because what they did was they uh, they got some bees and they hooked up to their hive basically a tube and they had these bees fly through the tube to get to the spot that they were then going to want to tell other bees about. So some spot with a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And they filled the inside of the tube with lots of images and lots of colors and shapes and like bold and contrasting and all of that good stuff so that it looked like there was a lot of stuff so that they would they would convey there was a ton of I don't know what the I don't know what the content of optical flow is mm-hmm. like stuff right <laughs> lots of stuff um And then they did that and then they had the bees fly through the tube. They saw all the stuff. They got to the food. They came back and they told their friends, okay, long waggle dance because you're going to be flying a really long way because of all this stuff. Well, then they removed the tube and they let the next bees go. And the next bees definitely interpreted interpreted it as a very, 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 very long distance because of all of the stuff that they weren't seeing. That is fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? So one of the big shortcomings of the, like they want to do more research into it, but one of the big shortcomings is in order to put a transmitter, so you are a transmitter, you can't, you can't follow a bee. Right. You can't follow it visually. You can't follow it on camera. Like they're very small. They go very fast. They blend in like you just can't go except for so far. So they were putting little like radio antennas on them. They were gluing them to their little backs. But in order to put one on there that is long enough to reach the distance the bee is going to fly, the bees were not able to fit into their hives. They were having trouble like maneuvering because it really can't stick that far off the back of the bee because that's like tight quarters in there. Right. So there's some some downsides there and they've kind of had to say well I know that the second bee went further than the first bee because we could have tracked it that far and also I know that the waggle dance is similar to a waggle dance where we suspect the bee actually went like seven kilometers instead of 70 feet or whatever Mm -mm. I'm not sure why they're measuring in metric and in feet but (laughs) (laughs) that is fascinating right so there you go it never occurred to me that bees wouldn't have depth perception. So there are a lot of animals that don't have depth perception, though. If your eyes aren't both pointed the same direction, you can't because you're processing two separate images in your brain. So like 
birds and fish and chameleons and all kinds of animals, their eyes can't point the same direction. Wow. Yeah. I'm learning so much about bees and bee bums and distance. (laughs) (laughs) That's fascinating. Right? I I know like eight things about bees. So there's one. Maybe we can collect them all by the end of the season. It's like trading cards. So I have to ask, how did you, like, why are you learning all the things about the bees? Um, My sister has bees. Right. So she had them in her old house and then they moved and then she didn't have bees for a while. And then like, I don't know, about a month ago, she just went and picked up a bunch of bees. And so now she has a couple of hives. And so she knows all the things about bees. Um, And, and I mean, they really like them and she gets her own honey and it's very cool. So she was telling me about bees. I don't know why we... I don't know how we got on that topic. I'm sure it made sense at the time, but somehow we got on the topic of bees and measuring distance. And so she was trying to figure out like the translation, like how many wiggles equals how much distance, but it turns out Mm -hmm. that's not really, it's not like bees have a standard measurement. It's that it's how much stuff they've seen, which is not really, I mean, it's not a measurement of distance, but right. I also don't know what the conversion rate is between like butt vibration and objects. Like, is it one to one? I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and is there a dialect? Right. So, like bees in Ohio have a slightly different butt waggle than right. bees here. <laughs> well, so I do know that they have to start off teaching each other what the waggle dance means. And so they do like little test runs. Oh. Because they, it, it's not an innate understanding. Like it's a language they've created, and they have to train each other in. Wow! Right. That's so fascinating. There's that. There's different kinds of eggs in a hive. There's um, dying queen versus murdered queen. There's Ooh. how bees heat their hives. And there's um, a thing about swarming people. That Those are my things I know about bees. Ooh. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot more bee facts coming up. It sounds like it. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So do you have something to tell me, perhaps maybe a little bit more criminal? I, I do. I'm excited. I have some pretty good crime here. What is good crime? Like, interesting. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert, nobody dies in this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. A crime without murder? For the moment. (sighs) Okay. I have a feeling the next time that it's my time to tell a story, there's going to be a bunch of murder. All right. So two weeks ago on Crime Crazy, (laughs) I talked about Charles Ponzi, after whom the infamous Ponzi scheme is named. He used the Rob Peter to pay Paul methodology to bilk a lot of people out of a lot of money in a very short amount of time. And he used that money to create a lavish lifestyle for himself and his family. And as with all con men, with his level of audacity, he was caught and he eventually died poor and alone in Brazil. Yep. He just should have stopped. 
if he had just gone a little smaller, he could have had the best life. Yeah, but it seems like with the the interesting con people, smaller is not what they do well. Well, I feel like if they were successful and never got caught, they wouldn't appear on a podcast. Well, true that. Luckily, in this case, we have somebody who did get caught. I'm ready. So this week, I'm going to talk about a more modern con and a con woman. Ooh. Anna Delvey. Anna Vladimovna Sorokina. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was born near Moscow in the Soviet Union in 1991. Her father was a truck driver. Her mother owned a small convenience store. In 2007, when she was 16, they moved to Cologne, Germany, where she attended high school. And she was described as a quiet girl who had difficulty with the German language. I feel like that's valid. Yeah. (laughs) After graduating in 2011, Anna moved to London to attend the Central St. Martin's Art School, but she didn't finish, went back to Germany. Back in Germany, she was an intern at a public relations firm, and that gave her the experience to move to Paris to become an intern for Purple, which is a French fashion culture and art magazine. Oh, not the mattress. No, not the mattress. Oh, okay, because I really hated my Purple mattress a lot. Liam kept trying to get me to buy a Purple mattress when we were buying a new bed. Yeah, no, it sucked. Yeah, well, we didn't go for it. It was in Paris that she started going by the name Anna Delvey. Now, we don't know where that name came from. She later said that it was her mother's maiden name, but when people asked her parents, they said they had no idea what it was. Oh. The internship in Paris earned her about 400 euros a month, which is not quite enough to live in Paris. So she was still financially dependent on her parents. But in 2014, following a breakup, she decided to head to New York for Fashion Week. It wasn't supposed to be a permanent move, but she found that she had made more friends in New York than she had in Paris. So she transferred to the New York office of Purple, but she eventually quit that job. And that is when the grifting really got started. Yay. She created the persona of an heiress from a small town in Cologne whose father was an oil baron. Or was he in solar power? Or maybe he was a diplomat? Or was he big in antiques? Hmm. Who supplied her with a generous monthly allowance of about $23,000 while she waited for her 25th birthday when she'd be in charge of her entire 60 million euro trust fund. I would like that. Right. She stayed in boutique hotels in Manhattan, saying that because she only had a visitor visa, she couldn't have a permanent address. She took to eating at James Beard award-winning restaurants. She handed out crisp $100 bills as tips wherever she went. And although she generally tended toward an athleisure aesthetic, she always had the latest designer clothes from Gucci and Yves Saint Laurent. Her fashionably oversized black frame glasses were by Celine. I don't know what that means, but everybody mentioned it. So... But where is she getting the money for this? Because none of that is true. I mean, she definitely had all that shit. And she ate at the places and she stayed there. Yes, but where did the... How did she pay for it? 
German heiress. She's not a German heiress, <laughs> Diana. We do, we already know that. You can't fool us. No, I can't. That'll all come later. She found her way into the fashion and art circles in Manhattan. She knew everyone that worked at the bars and the nightclubs that she frequented. She was always ready to pick up the tab, and that was always followed with her generous tips. She made new friends, and she'd spoil them, too, going to Venice and Morocco and Omaha. Oh, wait. Venice, Morocco, and Omaha. Omaha. Via private jet for the Berkshire Hathaway investor meetings. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sometimes her cards would be declined. And she'd quietly ask someone else to pick up the tab and promise to pay them back. She rarely did, though, and people just laughed it off. She was just forgetful, you see. And she had such trouble moving her foreign assets to the States. Oh. As one friend put it, maybe she had so much money she just lost track of it. Oh, that would just be so rotten. Mm Mm-hmm. She also seemed to have a little bit of a problem getting things booked in advance due to the issues with those credit cards. So so for the trips to Venice and Morocco, she had her companions put all of the charges on their cards with promises to pay them back. Hmm. In between all of the luxury shopping and travel, she was working on her real passion project, the Anna Delvey Foundation. This was, that was a great face. (laughs) (laughs) Skeptical Aaron is skeptical. Yes. This was supposed to be a private arts club with a bar, a members only club, rotating art installations and pop-up shops. Hmm. She befriended Gabrielle Andres Calatrava. Yes. The son of a famous architect who himself was trying to build a portfolio and talked him into designing the project. She settled on the Church Missions House on the corner of Park Avenue and 22nd as her location. This is a six-story landmark with copper and terracotta roof, mosaic floors, and stained glass windows. I googled it. It looks amazing. I bet it does. Yeah. And the entire project was expected to cost about $40 million. Oh, well, no big deal. She's totally got that. Totes got it. Except she didn't. No. Nobody keeps $40 million in cash hanging around. So she started looking into financing. She applied for a $22 million loan in November of 2016, stating that the loan would be secured by a letter of credit from UBS in Switzerland and showed statements proving her assets. Turned out she was really good at Photoshop. I was going to say, okay. One bank rejected her application because she didn't have sufficient cash flow to make payments, and she walked away from another when it pressured her into meeting with a UBS banker to verify her assets. Mm-hmm. She was able to get a loan from one bank for $100,000, telling them it was for due diligence costs for ADF, but she ended up blowing it within the month. Wow. But she was still trying to raise money. Her real estate lawyer reached out to banks and hedge funds to secure financing so that they wouldn't lose the proposed sale of the building to another party. But it was around this time that things started falling apart. One night, Anna was out to dinner with her friend Neff, who was the concierge at the hotel she was living in. When it came time to pay the bill, Anna gave the server a list of about a dozen credit card numbers. But they were all declined. Yikes. 
And did she not have any of them on her? Just a, a list of numbers? So the article is written um, by somebody who talked to Naf, and she said she couldn't remember if it was like a little book with her numbers or if it was a list on her phone with numbers. But yeah, they were like all in the, the same place. It wasn't the physical cards. That's very strange. Yeah. So Neff picked up the bill, which was a hardship for her, uh, but Anna paid her back in the morning in cash in triple the amount. Well, no longer a hardship. Mm-hmm. Not too long after that, Neff's manager pulled her aside and asked her to talk about a delicate manner with Anna. It seemed that for a variety of reasons, Anna had arranged to pay for her room in that hotel with a wire transfer, but that transfer had never arrived. And Anna owed the hotel about $30,000. Oof. Yeah. Anna said that a wire was on the way and then sent a case of 1975 Dom Perignon to the staff. 1975 was an excellent year, by the way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> for, for Dom Perignon or for just in general? For Diana's. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thought maybe it could be both, you know. No, I, I don't know about the relative quality of Dom Perignon. Magically, a wire soon came from Citibank, but that only paid the back bill, and Anna couldn't put a credit card on file with the hotel. Eventually, they followed through on the threat they'd given her, and they locked her out of her room while she was away in Omaha. Omaha. I like the dramatic pause before you say (laughs) Omaha each time. While she was away in Omaha. Yeah, so it looked like during the time, and the the real serious grifting took place over about 10 months, and all of the articles I read talked about how she was just jet-setting all over the place, but she went to three places. She went to Venice, she went to Morocco, and she went to Omaha. (laughs) One of these things is not like the others. Right. So after she came back from Omaha, and having been kicked out of her last hotel, she planned this trip to Morocco. And since she always had cash flow issues, she had a little trouble paying for that, too. Her uh, trainer slash life coach, who came along on the trip, developed some nasty food poisoning in Morocco, and she returned early. Uh So she was back at home. She received a frantic phone call from Anna in Morocco saying that there was a problem with her bank and none of her cards would go through. So she asked the trainer to give the hotel her credit card number, which she did, but it was declined. She called her bank, but the bank wouldn't approve the charges. uh, So everything was still declined. So she called another friend, and that card was declined too. Eventually, Anna's friend Jennifer, who was on the trip, ended up putting the entire $60,000 bill on her card, which was her work card, because she traveled for work. She worked for um, Vanity Fair, I think. Um, So it's on her work card, and that was more than she brought home in a year. Oh, no. Yeah. So, but she, you know, Anna kept saying, like, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. It's just a problem. Like, money is coming. It's all fine. This makes me feel much better about Amazon accidentally charging my work card to the tune of $8 this month. And then I freaked out. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Emailed finance. I was like, I didn't tell them they could do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and this woman uh, wrote a whole article about her experience. And she said that she was surprised it went through (laughs) because it was like tens of thousands. Well, I mean, it's $60,000. But I wonder, like... I have a work Amex from our work and I've never been given a limit 
And oh, I know what your t- limit is. Oh, I reached it on mine. I assume they're all the same. Oh, probably. Well, I don't know because I did a lot of back-to-back international travel a couple of years ago. I never had a problem and I put a lot of money on that card. Yeah. But I wonder if those like corporate cards don't necessarily have that hard limit because they figure if you're trying to put 60 grand in, like there's a fucking problem. <laughs> right. I don't know. But yeah. man, I just feel like work doesn't like you if you do that. Well, no, I can't imagine coming back to our expenses, people and being like, so here's the deal. It was right. in Morocco. <laughs> My friend have a, didn't have any a money. Baller time at this really nice resort. We did a bunch of shopping and. Right. So the trainer booked Anna a flight back to New York. And apparently, while they're having this conversation about how the trainer would get her this, this flight back, and I was like, will you book me first class? What? No. No. Mm, I think she did. Oh, my God. And then she arranged for a Tesla to get Anna from the airport and then to the hotel to get her stuff. She moved into the Beekman Hotel, where they soon also found out that they didn't have a working credit card on file. Where are all these goddamn hotels that not running the credit card the minute you're there? That's right? what I end up doing. Yeah. Uh, and the wire transfer that she had promised didn't materialize. And it was the same story at the W a couple of weeks later. Effectively homeless at this point, Anna made her way to the trainer's apartment and begged to stay the night. The trainer initially refused because she was on a date at the time. Oh, my God. This woman is like really uh, presumptive. Like, holy smokes. Well, and the trainer is a much nicer human being than I am. Uh, She finally relented when Anna said that she might do something. Uh. But this whole shittery made the trainer's spidey sense start tingling. She made some calls. Good. First, to the friend that had gone to Morocco with Anna, where she was told that she'd only put the trip on her credit card after a pair of threatening goons showed up in the room. Yeah. Uh, if you read the article by the friend, uh, who, again, I think her name is Jennifer, like, she talks about, you know, they came back one day and these people were in the room like, you need to pay now. And Anna's like, yeah, yeah, yeah here are my credit cards. And they're like, yeah, those don't work. You need to pay now well, you know, I got a wire transfer. And they're like, bitch, you need to pay now. Yikes. And finally, she started asking around because it was her, the friend, the trainer had already gone home because she was sick, and a videographer. Of course. Obviously. Uh, Have we hired a videographer for our trip to Chicago? (laughs) No, but I'm not sure why. Like, it now suddenly occurs to me this was a massive oversight. I, I mean, we've still got three weeks. Okay, well, so... It's going to cost a little more for a rush order, but, you know. Yes. See what we can do. Yeah. Um, So, apparently, with the people refusing to leave in the hotel in the foreign country, the friend was just like, you know, she felt pressured. Yeah. The two very large gentlemen were pressuring her. Like, she didn't feel like she really had any other choice. Ugh. So that night, Anna came back to the trainer's place and asked the doorman for access to her apartment, which was denied, of course. Good. But she stayed in the lobby until almost midnight. She finally left, but the trainer, who again is a much nicer human being than I am, 
started worrying about Anna and she called hotels to see where she was staying. And according to her, every time she called a hotel where she thought Anna would be, they, you know, she'd call and she'd ask and, and say she was looking for her. And she said they were always like, ugh, her. Oh, no. And she soon found out why. The Beekman and the W pressed charges for not paying the bill. Yeah. She had also tried to dine and dash from La Parker Meridian. Investigations were started, and it was further found that she would deposit hundreds of thousands of dollars in bad checks into bank accounts and get cash from those accounts before the checks failed to clear. <sighs> so she was basically running a check kite. Right. On top of also getting some investor money from banks for this project. So she knew people are onto her. She fled to California, allegedly to go to rehab in Malibu. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to be in court in September of 2018, and she didn't show up. No. She was arrested in California in October, brought back to New York. She was arraigned on October 26th of last year, and then held at Rikers with no bail. On April 25th of this year, Anna Sorokin was found guilty of second-degree larceny, theft of services, and first-degree attempted grand larceny. She was found not guilty of another charge of first-degree attempted grand larceny. That was for the $22 million that she tried to get a loan for. And a charge of theft for the $60,000 trip to Morocco she made with her friend, her personal trainer, and the videographer. Well, that's On- good because hopefully the friend is off the hook at work. No, she was found innocent of that one. Oh, damn. Um, but it works out for her. Okay. On May 9th, she was sentenced to 4 to 12 years in state prison, fined $24,000, and ordered to pay restitution of about 199000 And ICE has indicated that upon completion of her sentence, she will be deported back to Germany. Where she doesn't do a good job speaking the language. Well, and it was funny because a lot of the articles mentioned, like, she said she was a German heiress, but her German was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> This is not the last we're going to hear of Anna Sorokin, Delvey, whatever you want to call her. Shonda Rhimes acquired rights to one of the profiles written about her. She's developing a Netflix series. Nice. Lena Dunham bought the rights to another article in Vanity Fair. And, oh my God, I've been calling it Jennifer the whole time, but her name is Rachel. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say those are the same name, but... Really sorry. She seemed like a lovely woman. Uh, Rachel Williams, who footed the bill for that trip to Morocco, got her money back by selling the rights to her story to HBO and Simon and Schuster. Her book will be released next month. Wow. Anna herself says she is writing two memoirs, one mm. about the time spent as a fake heiress and the other about the time she spent in Rikers. But um, that seems like she shouldn't be allowed to sell them at least here. What are the international rules related to, like, Son of Sam laws? I don't know. And do they apply... Only to murder? No, I was thinking, do they apply once you're out of jail? Oh, like once you've served that time? Right. I would imagine that anyone that you harmed, any of your victims, could still sue you for the profit there. Even if you've served time. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it sounds like the restitution that she's ordered to pay is mostly to institutions and businesses, not to humans. 
Hmm. Um, and the fine will just go to the government. Right. Um, so that's not going anywhere. And Rachel Williams is just up shit Creek, but she ended up, I think I saw she got like a $300,000 advance. Well, I mean, that's good. Yeah. That is plenty of money. Well, yeah, no, that, that seems fine. Yeah. But. Wow. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. Once again. Just flew too close to the sun. Yeah. Just slow down a little bit, people. You're doing just fine. Right. If you'd stop. Well, and I, you know, they were talking about, you know, there's kind of this $100,000 that was floating around and she used some of it to, she really did use some of it to try to open this club. Like she was four reels working on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like a good time. It does. And she had so many connections. You know, she knew people from her time at Purple. She knew people in the art scene. Somebody referred to her as like one of the 200 or so people that you just see everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, people knew her before they'd met her because they'd see her on Instagram at all these cool parties and fashion shows. Um, she had dinner once with that son of a bitch that uh, raised the price on AIDS medications. Oh, yeah. And actually learned one of his favorite tricks uh, at the hotel where Neff worked, where they asked her to pay up and they finally locked her out. She apparently went ballistic and she's like, so here's the deal. I'm going to buy up a bunch of web addresses that are associated with your your names and your business. And then I'll sell them to you for a million dollars, which is something that asshole does. Right. Um. She also, one of the articles was that she's got no regrets. She did nothing wrong. She'd do it all again. And when somebody was like, dude, you like hurt people. And she's like, hey, I'm not a good person. (laughs) I mean, saying I'm not a good person does not just give you the right to continue to be bad. Like, right. But it's not like acknowledging that you're shit does not. Right. But it's like kind of incongruous where she's like, look, I didn't do anything wrong. But when it comes down to it, like, I'm not a good person. She knows that she fucked it up. Yeah. Yeah. She is a very interesting character. I had a hard yeah. time getting a really good linear version of the story. So I'm actually excited to see the books come out and see if they do a better job of keeping shit in order. Right. No, I bet that would be fascinating. I bet it would be sort of, I, I bet it would be sort of a combination of like a wild ride where you're just almost rooting for her but at the same time just furious at the same you know with all of her right well and and so many people got built like this this Rachel woman who is a photographer I think for Vanity Fair um you know one of the things she said was that when she got up to testify in I think it was a a grand jury hearing it wasn't like the trial yeah and she said like she felt like a teacher on the first day of school, but she wasn't actually qualified to teach any classes. Oh, except for that one she took in college, which was a literature class about con artists. Oh, and it was like, that was kind of the point where it was like, did you not learn anything in that class? If you read right. all this literature about con artists? Right. And you didn't, you didn't see it at all. Right. But apparently Anna also did kind of just enough to keep things going. Yeah. I you mean, know, Having the cash and tipping and getting meals and appearing generous and probably had a ton of confidence. Like all of that is, is pretty convincing. 
Well, it is. And she also, Rachel also said that she was used to hanging out with rich people in the fashion world because that's, you know, what, what she does for work. And she said, you know, she, they're all kind of like that. They're forgetful about money. They leave their wallets places. They don't have anything on hand. And, you know, it all ends up working out. But um, the other thing, too, is she ended up, because she needed the money back to pay her bills, she basically ended up, like, being stuck by Anna's side for a day. Like, everywhere she went, she went with her. And she's like, you need to find me the money. I need the money back. You need to pay me back. And, like, the next day, Anna sent her $5,000. Right. So she always knew exactly where to apply what she had in order to keep people placated. Right. I mean, she's awfully smart. She's awfully smart. And she, like, there was a bunch of documents that she tinkered with to make it look like everything was legit. Right. Um, She invented personas that would have emails that all came back to her. Mm. Um. It's just, it was so intricate. So I can't wait for the books to come out because the court proceedings have just ended within the last couple of months. Right. And uh, a lot more information will come out about her. Wow. Yeah. I, I do really enjoy hearing about con artists a lot. They're pretty fascinating. It's yeah. just, maybe I'm just not very creative, but so many of these things have just never crossed my mind. Well, no, definitely not. But also, I know I would never be bold enough for that. I would crack so fast. Yeah. And I I would never get far enough for it to... I mean, plus I'd feel hugely guilty hurting other people. But Right, yeah. No, there's definitely... if I was going to, I, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Well... So there you go. Huh. I like it. Yeah. Um, I think I think we should talk about the plan, high level. I'm not giving <laughs> anything away. All right. So high level. Guys, We're- this is episode ninety-eight. Can you believe ninety-eight? <laughs> Crazy. You have listened to so much of us. I'm so sorry. I mean, they keep coming back. They know what they're getting into. I know. At this point, really, you can't even claim that you didn't know. There are 98 of them. That's right. So that means that we're getting awfully close to 100. And and what else? Well, next week will be 99, so that's normal. Right. We're also getting really close to our first podcast, true crime podcast conference in Chicago. Yay! We're also just... Several downloads away from a hundred thousand downloads. Oh my god! Right, and all of these things, and some new art, and a bunch of new stickers are all going to happen in like the same week. It's so exciting. Basically, Diana and I are going to explode. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so we've come up with a plan in order to celebrate all of these things all at once we are going to do a very special 100th episode and you Mm -hmm. have to wait one extra week for it because we are going to be doing it in person in a special location um that is all you get to know 
I am so excited. I am just about to burst right now. So, yes. <laughs> so next week is normal. Next Tuesday, there will be an episode. The following mm-hmm. Tuesday, no episode. Maybe we'll replay an old one. And then the Tuesday after that will be episode number 100, stickers, art, celebration, Woo. news from the podcast festival, all kinds of stuff. Oh, it's going to be such a great time. It is going to be amazing. Um, we, we booked our hotel. Diana booked our hotel. She's very excited. Diana, do you want to tell them about the hotel? There's a... Shake Shack in the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) She booked this amazing hotel and like everything about it is amazing. And the only thing she's told me five times. There's Shake Shack there. I really like Shake Shack. Um, All right. So what is the name of this, this podcast conference that we're going to? True Crime Podcast Festival 2019. Awesome. So downtown Chicago, July mm-hmm. 13th. Mm-hmm. Come and join us. Yes. We're going to be there. We're going to, we don't have a booth or anything because we are there to enjoy ourselves, but we are going to be handing out stickers. We are going to be wearing amazing crime crazy shirts, even if we have to fucking paint them ourselves. Ugh, we might have to. We've ordered many, 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 and so far not gotten a good one. Um, and we cannot wait to meet all of our true crime podcast friends yes. <laughs> um, in person. Also, I am working on a giveaway that you don't know about. You what? Mm-hmm. Well, I, Mm-mm. are you giving away my stuff? <laughs> okay. <No. laughs> that would be awesome though. I'm working on a giveaway you don't know about. Which dog are you not that attached to? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't think I could sneak the dog onto the plane. Oh, no. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, no. Probably not. Yeah, I can't tell you because then it would spoil another surprise. Okay. I Diana is full of surprises. <laughs> Usually that is not the S word that follows that sentence. All right. So other than the fact that we are attending the True Crime Podcast Festival 2019 at the Marriott in downtown Chicago on July 13th. Yay! And so thrilled. And other than the fact that we're about to reach episode 100, 100,000 downloads, have new art, record live, well, not live, but record actually in the same room instead of <laughs> through the Craziness. computer. Right? Um, what, what else do we know this week? Do you have any advice for us? I do. If you're feeling sad, mm-hmm. you should buy me a donut. <laughs> Are you not donutted out yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's like it's like handheld cake. It is like handheld cake. And I like cake a lot. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a good thing. Yeah. Also, if you're going to spend designer money on glasses... Make yeah. it look like you didn't get them from the Navy in the 60s. I feel like that's half of designer stuff is it looks like some horrible thing that nobody actually wanted when it was real. Yeah. Yeah. Anna is a she's a pretty lady, but the glasses, man, they're just too big for her face. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Call your people. Call your people. Invite them to the True Crime Podcast Festival. Yes, come find us. We will be the ones that look like you think we look in Crime Crazy t-shirts. That's right. We will be wearing cartoons of ourselves so that we are recognizable. And maybe brightly colored pants. 
And yes, <laughs> there might be a, a plot to wear highlighter colored pants with our crime crazy t-shirts that no that don't exist. Yet. <laughs> See what we can do. And don't end up on next week's episode. <laughs>